Now, I, I'm not going to take credit for this, but I'm going to Christopher Columbus this, right? I didn't discover America, but I, I, I don't want the credit for it. I, I just, I discovered very timely the discovery. Reference. In my opinion, I discovered it. You know what I mean? Like I discovered the meme. So it's like, I'm the discoverer, right? Um, this, this was going around, you know, the NFL, the London games, another one this weekend. And uh, we'll talk about it here coming on up. But I, I just love this. This is America in a nutshell. Someone tweeted that you got to love the audacity of America. We have to go to London, sing our national anthem that's literally about beating the English in a war <laughs> before a game that we bring back to this country in which we take the name and stole it from a different sport that they invented. <laughs> the audacity of yeah. Americans. And that's we're right. just like, accept it, deal with it. And America's on your, uh, America's uh, bringing on your soil football that's on your right. soil to sing the national anthem with the American flag about kicking your ass in 1776 <laughs> to play our game on your soil, bring it to your people and take uh, your money. I just love that. You got to love the audacity. So it's like America, baby. That is, uh, that is exactly what the London games are all about. All the, all the NFL is, is just an extension of the revolutionary war. You know, what is it like the, yeah. the you see that meme where it's the dominoes where it's like throws tea in the Boston Harbor. Uh, and then it's like bigger domino, bigger. And then like the biggest one is like, uh, people in London rooting for American football. You know what I mean? And football is now football. It's We've like, ended up here. Yeah, yeah that's where yeah. we ended up. Well, you know, in very distinct uniforms on both sides of the yeah. Revolutionary War. Uh, yeah. We had marching bands before marching bands were even a thing. It's basically so, just, we're bringing, yeah. we're just replaying the Revolutionary War. Uh, yeah. And we're going to yeah. give the, we're, we're going to, we're going to give London a, a, a couple bad teams just beat up on them every, every week. We should probably just make them play uh, the Patriot uh, with Mel Gibson <laughs> in the stadium. Uh, it, have a two and a half hour showing before it's each game. Such a, uh, such a good film. Such a great movie. <laughs> That's fantastic. Good stuff. And, and and what a way to to launch ourselves into a great London game that that was this past weekend between the Jaguars and Bills. But a lot to get to here. Obviously, on a Wednesday, we've got a little bit of an abbreviated episode for you here. Not going to go. Uh, game by game and give you the the deep uh, breakdown of each contest, but really touch on the overall themes of this past week as trends are forming uh, and, and trajectories are begin, beginning to show here uh, whether or not some teams are on the up, some teams on the down, but let's get to it. Here we are in week five of our recap. serving the Quad Cities area since 1973. And with over 50 years of excellence on their track record, you'll see why it's so easy to trust their experts when it comes to all of your home improvement projects. This family-owned business has you covered on all your needs. Protect your home or building from the elements today and get great roof repair services. Need new windows? No problem. Durham Remodeling can upgrade your windows and doors. Whether you want to upgrade the little details in your home or office, or want to tear a room down and start fresh, the expert contractors at Durham Remodeling have your back. Even the smallest changes can completely transform your space. Ready to start entertaining your friends for backyard barbecues? Durham Remodeling will help you plan, design, and build your deck and patio for the perfect outdoor space. Durham Remodeling's work is 100% guaranteed, so you can rest assured 
that you're getting the best service around. Call 309-786-6715 today for your free estimate for all your roofing, siding, flooring, windows, and painting needs. That's Durham Remodeling, 309-786-6715. All right. Well, we did mention that we're going to touch on a lot of topics uh, from this week, which also includes insane injuries to key players all throughout the league. We'll get to that, uh, obviously, big time in this episode here. But uh, we will discuss the first two games of the week because while the London game was absolutely uh, fantastic and and very interesting, uh, the Bears played on Thursday night. And so, of course, uh, we got to talk about that, Mark. Your Bears putting up a 40-burger on the Washington Commanders in a 40-20 victory. And Justin Fields, at the time, league leader in touchdown passes. He's now tied for second. That is quite a surprise, but how are you feeling? They get their first win of the season. Justin's looked good the last two weeks, albeit against some bad defenses. What's the overall uh, you know, takeaway on your end? The vibes are turning around in Chicago, and I will say, I said this on my show on Saturday, and I think it, it, it stands to reason. I still feel this way here now almost a week after that win. There are three pillars to your franchise, right? You have your general manager, you have your head coach, you have your quarterback. And if all three of those are in working order, obviously owners are are big, but if you trust your management general manager to like run the ship, right? If all three of those are in working order, you're in a really great spot. Um, And right now with the Chicago bears, like Ryan Poles, the general manager had a really great week with the, his, his rookie players really starting to show up and make plays, getting chase Claypool out of the, of the locker room was a huge, it's, I mean, that's subtraction, uh, addition by subtraction, you know, and I love that he didn't double down on the mistake. You gave up a lot to get him. Yes, a high second round pick. But at the time, it it seemed like a worthwhile investment to try to give your young quarterback a weapon. And we've now learned that Chase Claypool is just one of those guys that probably is just going to have this type of career where he's done within the next two years. We won't be really talking about Chase Claypool. He seems to be a distraction. He seems to just be full of himself and not really of all out team player. And you can just see how much freer Justin Fields has played the last two weeks, losing a six, four big target red zone weapon like Chase Claypool. So clearly that was addition by subtraction. That's a win. In my opinion, for Ryan Poles, you and were aggressive. more into DJ Moore now, too, yeah, obviously you, with his huge day. Exactly. You were aggressive and then you, you didn't double down on the, on the aggression. So I'm thinking positive vibes for Ryan Poles right now. Your quarterback, obviously, just mentioned it. Eight touchdowns, one interception in the last two weeks. I mean, he has exploded. And Justin Fields, if he keeps this type of consistency, there's no reason why he's not the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears next year. Absolutely no reason. So th- this is the you know positive vibes for him, arrow in the right dire- direction. Matt Eberflus is the only one where it's like, okay, the, the arrow is still flat or pointed down. He's got a lot more to do to write that ship for himself to get him to the level of being safe, as I feel like that Fields and Poles are. Fields has to keep just playing well and putting up numbers like this at a consistent pace. He'll be fine. Poles, keep being aggressive and not doubling down on your mistakes and showing and, and having, you know, 75% of your rookie of each draft class hitting like it's been working for him. He's doing fine. He didn't hire Matt Eberflus either. So he's got that going for him as well. And so Matt Eberflus, I mean, the next two weeks for the Chicago bears are gigantic 
You have extra rest at home against the Vikings, who now are without Justin Jefferson, and then the Raiders. So Matt Eberflus has, it's in front of him to turn it around too. So overall, that's how I feel. It, it also frustrates me more because now we're seeing this offense clicking just goes to show you the capability and the talent was there from week one. Why did it take till week four and a half for it to really pop? And then defensively, there's still a lot of fundamentals that I'm struggling with. They just can't consistently rush the passer. passer. The back end of the defense is so beat up. They're getting some guys back. Brisker, Gordon, uh, Eddie Jackson should all be back for the game against the Vikings. So again, no excuses. You can't give up 25 points to a Vikings team without Justin Jefferson. So that's something to really look for for Bears fans. And then overall, I will say um, that game, looking back on it, it was just really nice to see them close it out. It started to have the vibes of the of the Broncos game where it was falling apart, but they shut down on the road, clamped up against the Washington team and found a way to get out of there with a victory. And for Washington, they're starting to look a little bit more like how I predict them beginning of the year, a little disjointed at times, not really confident in themselves, quarterback making mistakes, um, they got to find their rhythm. They're still, I think the, the, if you're Washington, you're still pleasantly surprised by the start. You just can't let it completely unravel. Now you got to find a way to reel it all back in and string some wins together in a very winnable division. Not, not winnable. Like you can win the division, but you can get wins in your division against a Dallas and against a, you know, a giants team. Yeah, for sure. And their defense has been underperforming yet again this season. So that's about three straight years of, uh, Ron Rivera not living up to the talent that they have on there. So Ron Rivera has yeah. got to absolutely be one of those on the hot seat this year, even if they get to a, you know, seven wins, which is, yeah. you know, what I predicted, but uh, that's just not good enough for this. I team. had a final absolutely. point on the bears and I, and I, and I wanted your thought on this too. For me, yeah. I said this as well. And I stand by this. I'm done talking about the bears next quarterback. Like right now, it, we're at a point in time where with, especially with these two games in a row from Justin Fields, there's no reason why you you don't support Justin Fields and see everything this kid has for the rest of the season. Because even if he doesn't ball out, well, then you have the high picks. If he does ball out, you're still going to have two probably high picks. One really high, one maybe still within the top 10 or top 15, depending on where the Bears can go from here. So like that will sort itself out when it gets there. And there's no point in talking about the next quarterback for the bears. Unless we're also talking about the next coach for the bears. Like there's yeah. no, there's yeah. just no point in talking about a new quarterback. I get Justin Fields and a new head coach. I don't get Matt Eberflus and a new quarterback. That makes no sense at all. So I just want all of our fan, fans and listeners to know I'm done talking about the Caleb Williams, the Drake Mays, the Shadour Sanders, all the, the, you know, the Bo Nixes, all of the quarterbacks that are coming out in this draft. I'm all in on Justin Fields like I was, and we'll we'll sort out the quarterback position after I have answers on the head coaching position once the season finally comes to a conclusion. Absolutely. And I think that's the right uh right mentality to take into this. We got to see more consistency from Fields, but you've seen enough games of, of his, you know, spectacular talent to know that he obviously can do it. Uh, it's just about putting those pieces together and you got to give them the runway to be able to do that and show it this year. Uh, we'll go to the you know next game uh, in week five, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time over in London. The Jaguars uh, for the second straight week over there 
getting it showed. a second straight win as well. And absolutely, I thought that was a huge advantage for them going into this to get the Bills in the second game in London instead of the first. Uh, they're able to post up, relax, be there, maybe do some sightseeing and uh, just kind of have that comfort, whereas the Bills had to do this big travel week and and get out there and yeah. get settled. Uh, the Jags were already settled. And, you know, this was as impressive of a defensive performance from Jacksonville as it was offensively, I thought, um, limiting the Bills to just 20 points in this game. And yes, they had their moments. Of course, Stephon Diggs uh, got his in this game. Gabe Davis came up big in moments as well. Uh, but overall, the Jaguars were really able to do the 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 bend, don't break uh, type of defensive mentality that is great in thought, but not always as easy in practice. But they were able to do that and give their offense an opportunity. And really, I thought offensively, they looked about as good as they have these last two weeks, really kind of starting to turn the page there. Still not, you know, spectacular performances. We're not getting the three touchdown games from Trevor Lawrence that, you know, we saw at the end of last season. 300 yards, though, in this game. And um, overall, they were able to control the you know, line of scrimmage and control the time of possession for much of this game. And that's what I thought was really, you know, a telling thing. The only troubling trend that we're continuing to see with the Jaguars is their inability to finish and it drives like they keep getting near the red zone and not converting those into touchdowns, which is bizarre given how many, you know, big weapons they have in Ingram and, and Calvin Ridley on the outside and um, and, and just the different weapons uh, inside as well with, with ETN and Christian Kirk and all those guys. So they're going to have to figure that out because that's something that's you know not sustainable uh, season long. But overall, I was encouraged by just their ability to take a phenomenal opponent in Buffalo that was on the rise and, uh, and really take care of business and now find themselves in a you know, more comfortable position in their own division and in the conference. Yeah, I would have been really concerned if Jacksonville lost this game. Buffalo... And I, I'm not the first one to say it. I'm sure you've heard it before. It, terrible idea not to leave until Thursday. If here's yeah, a word bad. of advice: if you are taking your team to London, you get on the you you pack for London before you leave for that the game you're playing. The Bills should have immediately got on a plane and gone straight to London as soon as they had finished their last game. It makes no sense. You you it doesn't matter if you're the the front half of your week is screwed up then. You get that out of the way so that by the time you're asleep on Saturday night, you're in a normal acclimated sleep schedule, ready to go to wake up to play a game on Sunday. It was a, par a terrible decision. When the Bills finally woke up and played late in the third and fourth quarter, the Bills were the better team, but it was a little too little too late, and they were still making sloppy mistakes. Overall, I thought Jacksonville did exactly what they needed to do. They went to London. They took advantage of a, a worse opponent in Atlanta. And then they were the more well-rested, more acclimated team, and they beat a better team than them on, at home on the road uh, because they were more prepared for it. And so kudos to them for, for as an organization, figuring that out. They come back to the States with some momentum. Hopefully they can keep that going. They have got to find a way to, to um, also, in my opinion, just keep letting Trevor Lawrence be an athlete. Like when he's been moving recently, it really creates – problems for the defense and so become a little bit more of a Josh Allen at times Trevor I think it's okay it'll it'll serve you well while you're trying to figure some stuff up uh you know chemistry wise with your weapons especially in the red zone for the Bills not worried at all 
Uh, that was a tough spot for them to be in against a very decent and, uh, and high-end opponent. And their their coach put them in a bad spot by not leaving until when they left. And so it, if they would have won that game, it would have said more about a Jacksonville being a disaster and not as good as we thought, as opposed to the Bills uh, being really, really good. The Bills are really, really good. Jacksonville's good. And I think that both teams on American soil playing again, I'd have no issues taking the Bills to win that game. Now, Matt Milano injury, that's that was, really, really brutal. concerning. Brutal. Yeah, that that's that's huge, man. I mean, they lost their two best defensive players in back-to-back weeks in Tredavious White and yeah. now Matt Milano. And not not just two of the best players. Like, uh, if, you, if you're two of your best players are defensive tackles, yeah, your interior is going to suck. But at least you have, uh, you know, an entire – back seven to help alleviate that but you're losing your number one corner and your number one linebacker your Those are extremely yeah. crucial positions uh you know the green dot the guy calling the defense it, th- that's that really is a, a tough one and i you know now obviously our predictions preseason didn't factor in injuries and such like that but i'm still feeling uh, more confident now that the Bills aren't going to be the team that yeah. you know many thought they would be coming into the season. That being said, you know this is one game; it's a standalone situation. They're going to win a lot of games this year. It's just whether or not they're they're going to be they're shootouts. Enough they're going to have to win shootouts. Division. Yeah, and they're going to win shootouts, and hopefully Von Miller stays healthy, gets right, and they can because the Bills can still rush the passer. So if they can do that and be in shootouts, that's how they're going to have to play right now without. White and uh, Milano, because those are huge losses. Massive, massive injuries um, on these teams. Let's talk about Justin Jefferson and the Vikings. Uh, they they go on the road, um, or at home, I'm sorry, against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and, and really play a close game. I mean, neither team looked uh, particularly dominant, obviously, uh, on offense in this one. But the Chiefs really did um, enough. And maybe towards the end of this game, it felt like it was – you know, closer than it should have been. Uh, but the Chiefs win 27-20. Uh, obviously, the, the headline coming out of this, Justin Jefferson uh, going to miss several weeks uh, on IR. What's, you know, what's the thought here? Because my initial uh, thinking is this is the perfect opportunity for Minnesota to just mail it in and we're done. We're going we're gonna to go get a, a quarterback next season but yeah uh, obviously it's a tough position with a young coach who wants to win and establish that and um, a team that you know has been so close to winning a lot of these games they've just been on the losing end of one score games yet again Um, tough but yeah I mean you lose your best guy uh, one of the best players in the league now for quite some time I'd be shocked if they if they have him return uh, after four weeks Uh, I would imagine that he's going to sit out much of the rest of the season if not all of it to be honest yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Justin Jefferson's a he's a football player, and I think it's the right move to if a hamstring injury with a guy like Jefferson, shut it down. IR that gives you four weeks. That at least mentally for him, you say to himself, "Let's not even worry about it. You need you. We need you healthy. You're our franchise right now." The the key will be can they find a trade partner for Kirk Cousins? Because if you get Kirk out of the building, you can sell the tank easier and quicker. Um, if they can't get Kirk out of the building, this is very much has the writings on the wall that they're going to go into Chicago and beat the Bears. And, and like, and you know, Kirk's going to have a rally win. And then it's going to be season back on, Vikings hanging around. So it it's it just got to, you got to see the messaging from the front office and, and the ownership group. 
And whether Kirk's there or not, that's going to that's gonna lead towards it. I think they're going to give Kirk this couple games and say, hey, can you write the ship without Justin Jefferson? And can you claws back in their schedules really workable like the Bears is really workable? This game is for two one and four teams. It's a crucial, crucial game for both it of their is. seasons yeah. and where they're headed. Um, so I think it's the right move to to put Justin Jefferson on IR. I, even if they were four and one, I'd put him on IR because you you cannot risk this becoming a nagging thing for this dude. You also need to make sure he is happy in the organization. You do not want him demanding a trade or wanting out. And and maybe you can sell him on. Listen, Justin, we are going to we're going to make sure you're healthy. We're going to make sure you're happy. We're going to make sure you're paid, and we're going to get you whatever quarterback you want. You tell us, Jordan, you know, Jordan Addison, the other wide receiver, he played with a guy who won the Heisman Trophy last year who's projected to be the number one pick. Um, so, yeah, it's an easy thing to think about. So much of it is going to happen, though, and I think depend. If the Bears can come out and beat down the Vikings, which they should, that with no Justin Jefferson at home, more time to prepare, getting healthier, their defense is healthier than the Vikings right now. Uh, Fields is playing out of his mind. If the Bears can put a beat down on the Vikings and say, they win 30 to 13, something like that. And it's a bad day for Kirk. Um, then you absolutely could see this being like, all right, make the phone calls. Who wants Kirk Cousins? Does Atlanta want him? Do the Jets actually want him? Like, who wants him? What can you get? Can you get a fifth rounder for him? And uh, eventually use that also as ammunition to trade up higher in the first round if you're going to end up needing to. It'll be really fascinating to see. And for the Chiefs overall, listen, ho-hum win. I, you never, it says a lot. The Chiefs are a lot like the Patriots uh, we thought about the last, you know, 20 years. If you win, you win. Like, like that, you're, you're supposed to win that game. If it's not as pretty as you want it to be, who cares? Everyone came, leaves the game healthy. You get a W. Pacheco looked really good in and out. Kelsey's okay. I would sit Kelsey Thursday night. You can probably beat the Broncos without him anyways. And uh, it's a whole hum keep moving on type of type of victory. Don't overthink. Oh, was it a pass interference late? Who cares? You're the better team. You have Super Bowl aspirations as stack a W move on. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we think back to the start of the season for the chiefs and how everyone's like, Oh, you know, is, is this going to be a problem? No weapons, everything they've rattled off several in a row. Like they're back. They're back to being the, the Kansas city chiefs. Yeah. Uh, you know, Start 0 1, now 4 and 1. You're looking good. Uh, their division's looking really rough right now. So, yeah, so. from the Chiefs' perspective, uh, they're in a great spot and they're going to be perfectly fine moving forward. I do think they're still going to have to identify that top target among their receiving core. But the fact that they're winning while they're trying to figure that out uh, says everything uh, that they need to. I just want to see more of Justin Ross, the Clemson product, who. Mm obviously has flashed so much talent, uh, but we just haven't seen it at the NFL level just quite yeah, he yet. Had, and he had a nice game. Yeah, yeah. They just they need to, maybe they're just slowly bringing him along. But as for the Vikings, you know, I think it's something uh, fun to think about, something very interesting to ponder with Kirk Cousins being traded. But I just keep going back to the thought that when was the last time, I'm trying, I can't think of the last time that a prominent player was traded midseason, let alone a prominent quarterback traded midseason. Jimmy just, G, like, I, but he wasn't prominent yet. He was just potential. Okay, yeah. He was just fair. the potential. Yeah. But that's, right. I mean, 
that's, that's really it. I mean, it just doesn't happen very often. And yeah. I'm not sure if it's teams not willing to trade these these marquee players or if it's teams not trying to get uh, players in a midseason that are, you know, that new uh, to the team. Obviously, yeah. someone would want an addition of, you know, a Justin Jefferson to their team at any point. But it's, you know, it takes two to tango. And so, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just interesting. I, I, I feel like almost more times than not when it comes to these big types of moves that are put out there. Uh, they just don't end up happening, and we go back to who are the destinations know, even season. for Kirk Cousins? You know I mean, what everyone's mean? talking about the Jets. Everyone's saying, you know, that's the one I'm seeing the most of is, you know, get get Kirk Cousins on the Jets, and this team can salvage their playoff hopes. But I mean, Kirk's not going to take a pay cut. You're going to have to pay him some money, and they're already paying Aaron Rodgers a decent amount, and Zach Wilson's yeah. making more uh, than a backup quarterback. So, I mean, there's. Yeah, there, there's not much wiggle room, I don't think, for New York to be able to pull that off. Plus, their O-line is terrible, and Kirk's not a yeah. guy that can navigate that. I just don't think it's a good fit. Yeah, the only – I mean, the Jets, the Falcons, to me, would be interesting because I think that they're in this mode where they are trying to build just a really solid team, and they're not necessarily panicking about the quarterback position. And so I think that the, the Falcons adding a Kirk Cousins – uh, could look at this and be like, hey, he's someone we might kick the tires on in the offseason anyways. So why not why not just try to bring him in and and yeah. see what he's like? Because they Atlanta's got a ton of weapons and part of the problem is Ritter had a nice game, 300 plus yards, but they're a team that makes some sense. I don't no longer think it makes sense with Tampa because Tampa can just say to itself, we can wait and get him in the offseason, kind of see how the rest of the season plays out. Um uh, you know, with, with Baker and everything. Speaking of guy got traded mid season last year, Baker, but again, not prominent, yeah. prominent. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a really, it's a really fascinating discussion and it's a, it's a, there's a lot of teams that just don't feel like they need him right now. There Kirk will be a starter somewhere next year. Absolutely. Sure. But a lot of it will be, I think there's pressure from the league though, too. Like yeah. you cannot signal tanking. And, and they don't they don't want it. And that know? would be a huge signal of tanking. You lose yeah, to the Bears, yeah. you trade Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson's on IR. That's a huge signal of tanking. Yeah, for sure. So ho hopefully Justin Jefferson's able to to rebound perfectly fine from this and, and we're seeing a lot more of him. But yeah, the Vikings are going to struggle because of this and uh, we'll, we'll see where and this it, team goes. But yeah, and big, it big just it drives home. If the Bears give up 25 plus points, again for the 16th straight week in a row to a Justin Jefferson list Vikings team while being at home you fire Matt Eberflus straight into Lake Michigan well they didn't get they didn't give up 25 plus last week they gave up 20 oh, okay well there you go finally yeah, yeah. The, yeah. that, that, but, ended but the that was probably the True, end of the, that, yeah, end, that, probably that ended, ended the streak but like in the losses right. like you know you just you, so there you go don't yeah. restart the streak. You can't. You gotta. You can't restart the streak. You fire Matty straight into Lake Michigan. Uh, one of the highest of highs and lowest of low stories so far this year is the Colts' Anthony Richardson, and unfortunately, he looks like he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Maybe surgery. Um, talking now. We're, we're seeing best case scenario. He misses three to five weeks, and that even seems a little bit optimistic. Uh, leaves with uh, some sort of a shoulder AC injury. Joint, yeah. And, um, you know, it's tough, man. And, and this one was sustained on a running play 
yet again, and these have been the concerns, obviously, when we're talking about, you know, quarterbacks that are running the football a lot there, you know, those, those concerns have come up with Josh Wilson or Josh uh, Allen in the past, Cam Newton, obviously, and how his career uh, started to fall apart towards the end because of just the, the hits on the body. Yeah. Uh, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And Anthony Richardson already as a rookie showed flashes, of awesome play early this year. And uh, now it's going to be the Gardner Minshew show for at least the next month plus, uh, but very likely uh, even further down the road than that. Yeah, with Shane Steichen. It's a reason why he brought Minshew over. And, you know, I hate to say it, but when if you go back a month and a half ago when we were talking about beginning of the season and everything, I had said part of my prediction of having the Colts losing as many games as they did is I said Richardson's going to miss two or three games. Like It's just going to happen. I've seen it with Justin Fields. You're seeing it now at an alarming rate with Justin with with uh, with uh, Anthony Richardson. I mean, alarming. And the concern is it's not just a shoulder; it's his throwing shoulder. He's a rookie, and he might need surgery on his throwing shoulder. Yikes! Like that's not that is the last thing you want to hear if you're a Colts fan. Um, I must have missed this. They actually did place him on IR today, so he yeah. is out at least yeah. four games. Yeah. And so it is. Um, listen, it's a blessing to have Gardner Minshew. They probably will end up winning more games because they have Garner Minshew now. It, this season was never about winning games. It was always about getting Anthony Richardson in and starting that the the Anthony Richardson saga. And as soon as he's healthy, you put him back in. Like, it's back in because he's not – this is different from Andrew Luck. He's not being beat up because he's behind a bad offensive line. He's getting shot after shot. He is taking these hits because he is an aggressive, gigantic player. And unlike Josh Allen, some of it's luck. Some of it's just maybe the style. He, you know, Josh Allen hasn't sustained the giant injury yet. Cam yeah, Newton he hasn't. Yep. Cam Newton was never injured. It just at the end of his career, he completely lost his fastball and he broke down. Cam Newton was even still running in those years with the Patriots. But remember, Cam's problem was he couldn't throw the deep ball anymore. And that's what he was known yeah. for. When he lost his speed too and everything. He is, his, his shoulder was dead it was destroyed so massive concerns for richardson i mean massive um but as far as the as far as the the the, the colts go they're gonna be actually probably a better team overall now as far as winning games because Minshew will run the offense and uh with the with a coach he knows really well and they have jonathan taylor they're gonna lean on jonathan taylor and uh they're they're gonna be a competitive scrappy team yeah, speaking of which, Jonathan Taylor getting that massive deal. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was $23 million guaranteed, a $42 million yeah, three-year He's getting like fourteen a year. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, kudos to him because of all of what we saw throughout the entire offseason process, training camp, yeah. uh, the 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 kind of playing games on both sides and, and unsure of whether or not when he even was able to come off the, the pup list if he was going to be suiting up and playing games for this team. They get the deal done, so they have their guy now moving forward, and so they're gonna. And it's perfect timing because now they're absolutely gonna have to lean on him uh, even more so. On the flip side, the Dolphins uh, kind of struck gold with a uh, you know several running backs in their deploy. Uh, Raheem Mostert having a career year, but then obviously Devon Achan, the rookie. Uh, was exploding the last two weeks with just some massive, massive right. games, uh, you know, set the team setting records in the process. And then uh, he goes down with a knee injury. He has been placed on IR today as well. They're going to get Jeff Wilson back. So probably won't miss too much of a step, but, but still for the Dolphins, you know, 
uh, a tough blow for them. The good news is that their scheme is set and and made to work with a se- several different people in the backfield. And so Raheem Mostert uh, and and Jeff Wilson Jr. should be taking the rock uh, for yeah. the time being. And 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 they seem to also um, be still firing on all cylinders, relatively speaking. So the Dolphins are one of those teams that are continuing on that trend, uh, despite the the injury uh, luck or uh, or unlucky uh, injury status that they've had um, over this last week. Yeah, they're, they're, to me, the interesting thing is going to be how does how do they integrate Claypool once he finally gets going? It should be yeah. this this upcoming week. Um, I've heard rumors they're going to try to play him at tight end because they're going to play like this kind of fast, which, again, the dude can't block. So good luck, Miami. I don't know what they're yeah. doing with that. Through five games, this is from Adam Schefter. I don't know if you saw this. Through five games, the Miami Dolphins have now had 2,568 total yards of offense. They have now had the most offense yards of total offense by any team in the first five games of NFL history, passing second only to the uh, the um, uh, greatest show on turf. Right? No, it's they passed the greatest show on turf. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. They're they're they passed the greatest show on turf. So they they passed the Rams as now they're in second. So what we are seeing from the Dolphins is historic, and so don't let it don't. I, again, I, I wouldn't say to over, you don't want to overreact, but you also want to make sure, you know, this isn't a fluke. Like they are really, really offensively skilled and gifted. Remember it's September, October football. It's not November, December football, January football, which is why I think we all still have this little tiny pause on Miami, but they're historic right now. Chan, it's a bummer. But they have guys coming back. I I, th- I don't worry about this offense skipping a beat. HM is their backup running back anyway. So you're we're talking about like, oh no, right. woe is me. They lost a backup running back. Well, they're getting their other backup back that you most are the you know is the starter. Like they they're gonna be fine. And um I trust Mike McDaniels um with anything right now. The dude is just terrific, terrific. And um, you can just tell how well of a coach football team they are. And I give them a lot of credit, excuse me, for their win against New York this weekend because that was one of those games where it's like, if they would have lost that game, it is full on pull the pan, push the panic button in Miami. Like, oh, Miami's a fraud. Miami's a fraud. You know, and you could see them maybe, you know, losing that game. Like, oh, it's a, everyone's building up to the Bills game. You lose that the one. Trap game. Yeah. Trap game. Last. But no, they came out and they got the job done and they beat up on a bad opponent. It's a, it's very similar to like the Lions won this weekend. People are saying, well, you're making too big of a deal of the Lions win against the Panthers. No, I'm not. At home, a team they're supposed to win and they go out and they pound the crap out of them. Like they just demolish them. And that's what Miami did too. Like those are, those are like the team is showing you who you, who they are. Like that's mental preparedness and coaching for football games. Um, that's just like we're gonna learn a lot about the Bears and the Vikings this week. And I hate to go back to it, but it's a great example. Like you're this the Bears need to win this game, should win this game. The Vikings are almost waving the white flag. So if they come out and beat the Bears, it, it again is gonna talk about the coaching, mental preparedness, and all those intangible things beyond just the talent and the names on the roster. Miami and Detroit, impressive wins this weekend, even though they were against lesser imp- opponents. All right, well, we'll get to some more injury news and some more games right after this. 
transform your body into a canvas of exquisite storytelling and profound self-expression with the skilled hands of Ryan Allison. Craft custom masterpieces that tell your unique story together. Ryan specializes in color tattoos as well as black and gray. He also practices a diverse range of styles. Whether you're passionate about anime, fantasy, mythology, pop culture, video games, movies, the esoteric, nature, creatures, dot work, black work, or you have your own ideas, Ryan embraces your distinct vision with an unwavering commitment to passion, precision, and originality. Each project he undertakes is a labor of dedication, a fusion of research, artistic ingenuity, and profound symbolism. His commitment to authenticity is nothing short of remarkable, infusing his very soul into every creation. From half and full sleeves to body suits, awesome back pieces, to majestic front panels, Ryan is the artist for anyone seeking powerful, breathtaking artwork. With every stroke of his needle, he weaves a tale that's as unique as you are. Don't settle for ordinary tattoos when you can elevate your ink to the extraordinary with Ryan Allison. Embark on your creative journey by booking a consultation with him and proudly exhibit your story on your skin. Visit Ryan at Why Not Ink Studio in North Park Mall or check out his portfolio online at ryanallison.art. Ryan Allison Tattoos. When you choose me, you're not just getting a tattoo, you're getting an experience. The Cardinals placed James Conner on IR. Oh, brutal for them. And so their biggest playmaker is not going to be out for a month. And uh, I know fantasy football aficionados are, you know, we're running to the waiver wire the last 24 hours to to go pick up a demarcado, the backup who nobody heard of until yesterday. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the Cardinals right now (laughs) or until right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But no, it's, uh, you know, that game in particular, the Cardinals and Bengals was an interesting one to watch. I mean, unfortunate for James, of course, and, and for them because they were looking pretty good overall with Josh Dobbs and, and losing James Conner is a huge blow. But the Bengals really was a get-right game for them with a 34-20 win. Uh, a more convincing victory was needed for this team to kind of get their mojo back a little bit. Yeah. And Joe Burrow obviously uh, looked a lot better uh, with that calf injury. Uh, Jamar Chase had a, a, a banner day. Uh, with what was it, 13 catches for 200 plus yards and a couple touchdowns uh, in there as well. Uh, just a massive, massive day for him and the Bengals offense. So that was encouraging. They're two and three on the season. So there's still a lot of work to be done for Cincinnati. Uh, but to put themselves in that position where they're really only a game out of the division because there's a lot of parity there right now, uh, they have to feel good about their chances. And, and Joe getting uh, a game in where he throws for 317, three touchdowns. Uh, that's got to feel good. Also, it was three touchdowns for Jamar Chase. Yeah. So 192 yards, 15 catches, three touchdowns. What a what a massive game for him. So we'll, we're going to learn if the Bengals have really officially turned it around this week. They host Seattle. Seattle's coming off a bye. So Seattle's healthy and has just been doing nothing but watching Bengals film for you know two straight weeks. So we're going to learn a lot about the Bengals. Hosting Seattle after a bye. Can they come out and get a win against a very, very good Seattle team? And, you know, Seattle is kind of hiding under the radar there, right? Like, who's thought about Seattle? Well, they're three and one, just had a bye. You forget about the teams who are on a bye, right? And so that's a really fascinating game this weekend. Uh, the Bengals are favored, I think, by like two and a half at home. 
So that's one of those, I'm going to stay away from the line, but it's going to be a really fascinating, we're going to learn a lot about those teams type of watch. Um, overall, I think the biggest takeaway for me from watching that game was, again, the I am not a fan of Gannon, still the head coach for the Cardinals, because he's just a weird guy. He's a defensive guy. The whole shots, pew, pew, pew thing. Like, none of it still sits well. And, and yet... This team really fights and scraps yeah, and claws. So I don't, I don't know what it's going to take for that to change for me to start believing in him. Um, but all, all I know is that the Cardinals are doing everything in their power. Remember, the Cardinals have two first round picks too this year. Uh, the Bears do, and the Cardinals do. But the, the Cardinals have the Texans' other pick, and so the Texans are doing the opposite of what the Panthers are doing. And they're, you know, they're, they're kind of running in the, in the opposite direction. Um, And so the Cardinals, they're going to have an, a a really, really flexible off season, right? You're going to have a ton of flexibility. If you don't love your head coach, you fire him, you move on, you get an offensive guy and you, and you have all these picks, you have Kyler Murray, you have a ton of different options. It's it's very similar to what the bear is going to have. You're going to have, the options to fire coach, to keep a quarterback, to draft a new quarterback, to just load up on weapons at the top of the draft or get a, a ransom for, for a number one pick. So the Cardinals, what's fascinating to me is there, it seems like they're starting to build a, a scrappy culture, but I just don't know what it's going to matter if they end up with the, the first pick that changed the culture, that changed the quarterback, that changed the coach. So um, right now they're kind of a fun, fun watch, but I'd beyond that they are, to me, so much of it is going to be, does Kyler play? When does he play? And what does that version of the Cardinals look like? Because that version of the Cardinals starts to feel a lot more like the Chicago Bears, where it's like everyone is desperate to win games and get their pick away as far away from the top as possible so they can keep their jobs. So uh, right now, the Cardinals feel like a tank team. If and when Kyler plays, they're going to feel a lot more like the Bears team, where it's going to be like, no, 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 we got to win games and save our jobs here. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's that that that's always, you know, in the back of the head when when you're competing in these um environments. The, the Cardinals are one in four, so it's like it, as competitive as they've been, it's like it, they could the, the tank game is still on, but unfortunately yeah. for them, uh the Houston Texans own their first round pick, so they're kind of in in that position or or I'm sorry, they they own, they own the Texans Houston's- first round pick. Yeah, uh, so they they actually could position themselves uh, very nicely uh, in the top five, but the way Houston's playing, you know, maybe it'll be you know not as high of a pick as they uh, initially thought. But you know, you know, like it's one of those things where you say to yourself, the Bears and the Cardinals, like if Kyler comes back and plays really really good football, and they helps them win four or five games down the stretch, right? Just like if Justin Fields right now, if what we've seen the last two weeks stays for the rest of the year or somewhere close to it, and the Bears end up winning six, seven games, like they're mm-hmm. going to be, those two teams will be far enough away. If the Texans start turning it around and playing poop, and if the Panthers stay really, really bad, and the Bears end up with the one and two, the Bears, the Cardinals end up with the one and two pick because the Texans and the, and the Panthers, that's where you say to yourself, you're in a really great spot as a franchise because then you feel like you have your quarterbacks. And you can get a ransom. The Bears got DJ Moore because of that and and got all that stuff. Like, think about you do that again. You can get another A-plus player and picks. Like, it is out there. Those those things are going to be out there and more because— Marvin Harrison Jr., man. 
It's, it's going to be out there and even more because people are so much higher on this year's draft class than last year's draft class as far as the quarterbacks go. So for right now, I, I do feel very much so the Cardinals are kind of a non-story until they become a giant story. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But speaking of the Panthers, I, I want to touch on that real quick because obviously, you know, Bryce Young being the number one overall pick, yeah. different, to totally different situation uh, there in Carolina than in Houston. But I mean, the number two overall pick, CJ Stroud, is outplaying him. And this was something that doesn't come as a surprise to you or I because we both felt that CJ Stroud was the better prospect. And now we're kind of seeing more rumors circulating that uh, really there was a. Uh, you know, difference in view between Frank Coach. Reich and yeah. owner David Tepper uh, of, of which quarterback to take is interesting because Frank Reich all the way leading up to the draft and afterwards it talked about how Bryce Young was the guy all along and all of that. Um, but it's interesting to see uh, the, the differences there because CJ Stroud uh, is living up to the billing, whereas Bryce Young continues to struggle and the Lions uh, nearly doubled up on the Carolina Panthers this past weekend, 42 to 24. Yeah. Of course, they're a good team, and so you expect that to happen. But um, Bryce is is continuing to struggle, and there's not as much pop and uh, pizzazz that we're seeing with C.J. Stroud in Houston. So wh what do you make of this, and uh, do we feel that uh, this is another sign of potentially owners uh, pushing themselves a little bit too much into the product on the field uh, when it's really the coaches and the evaluators that maybe you should trust and lean into a little bit more. And the we're seeing this in Dallas as well, where Jerry I Jones know, is double, tripling Jerry, down at Dak Prescott. Right I now. know. Well, that's Jerry. I mean, Jerry's Jerry. Yeah, I, yeah, but yeah. I think if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, I'm, I would tell Panthers fans this. Your job is to put the pressure as much as you can possible with tweets, with billboards, with whatever you can to calling into radio shows like because people listen to that the owners listen to that that you know writing letters to the editor push your pressure your sports writers we said it before if you draft Bryce Young you have to build a team that looks like the Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers your exactly. team has to look like that in order for your quarterback to win you Super Bowls because he is he is Tua he is Brock Purdy. He is, he's them. And, and, and that's fine to be at. He's Mac Jones. Like that's yeah, they're fine. They're both playing very well right now. Like, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like that's fine. Like that is, that works in the NFL. If your coaching staff and your organization has built a roster that supports that type of quarterback, CJ Stroud, what we're seeing, he's a little bit more, Hey, just a big, strong dude who can go in there and play at the NFL level. And I would argue that the two worst receiving cores in the NFL uh, after maybe the New England Patriots are the Panthers and the and the Texans. The Texans, I mean, Van, what is it? Uh, Robert Woods and some young Nico, guys. Nico Collins and uh, but again, Kate he's Bell, he's making but, them. I'd never heard of them before. Bryce, you know, CJ Stroud started throwing them the ball. You know what I mean? Is, yeah. is it Puka Nakua or is it Matt Stafford making Puka Nakua? You know what I mean? Like it's it feels a little bit like that in in Houston. So I'll just say this. Houston should feel great. They should feel great. They got it right. Anderson's a stud. CJ Stroud is, is a by far the best looking quarterback in this draft and last year's draft. You know, like, I mean, and maybe even out of the last three years, he you might take him 
second behind maybe only Trevor Lawrence over. If you look at all of that as of right now, he's playing that good. It's that early. Um, but with Bryce, you can't panic. And if I was, if I was the head coach, uh, if I was Frank Reich, I would, I would every me- if you're having these daily meetings with Tepper, which is so ridiculous, which owners don't do that. It's so bad. But if you were ever dad say, we have got to look like the San Francisco 49ers, sir. We got to look like the You got to go out. We got to draft to look like the Niners. We got to have the best offensive line and the best defensive line in the game of football. And then I need, I need weapons who can get the ball within five to 10 yards of the field of, of the line of scrimmage and make plays. Cause that's what the Niners do. You, you have a, the best offensive, a defensive line in football. And then everything is within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And we're going to physically dominate you. And then, and with the, or, or you do what the Dolphins do, you say, we have one of the best offensive lines, the best defensive line of football. And then we have the fastest men who play football on the planet so they can turn five yard hitches into, into 60 yard touchdowns, or they can turn, uh, we have a guy who can just throw him go routes and they can be, they can be wide open like he was in college. Cause Bryce Young was yep. used to throwing to college wide receivers. He could throw the deep ball because they're wide open. He can't, there's a difference between, oh, can you actually throw it 60 yards, which Bryce Young can, or can you throw it 60 yards while people are covered in the NFL, which Bryce Young can't. He can't. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers can throw it 60 yards when people are covered because he can put it on in the on window it needs to be. Yeah. So Bryce Young can't do that. But Jay, I, Tua can't do it either. He's not, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but Tua can do it with his wide receivers because they're wide open. So yeah. Panthers fans, don't panic. The panic will set in is if at this time next year, your roster still hasn't taken improvements and steps in the direction to look like the Dolphins and the Niners. And you're still running a weird offense that just feels disjointed because he's not good enough to just be a quarterback in the league the way C.J. Stroud is. Um, It's a tough situation to be in. And credit to Houston. They were one of the worst-run organizations the last decade in the NFL. And they, within a year of getting D'Amico Ryans and this young quarterback, now look like a very, very competent organization that you sh- you should buy stock in the Houston Texans. Yeah, you don't want to play them every week. Uh, I think they so win at home this week against New Orleans. I do. It could very well happen. New Orleans, uh, despite the showing that they put here, uh, shutting out the Patriots, by the way, back-to-back worst losses for Bill Belichick. They've been outscored uh, 74 to three in two games. The Patriots unbelievably terrible, uh, very rough situation there in new England for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, the saints put up 34 on them, uh, but I could see the Texans absolutely winning that game. Just the way that they've been, uh, they, they've been playing. Oh, what was that? 72 to three. Sorry. I checked my ah, stats. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, are the Cowboys frauds? Well, they, you know, they, I thought that from the beginning yeah, of the yeah, season, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we we're both on the same page with Dallas. It's just, you know, this was the the first point in the season where it's like total validation, right? I mean, yes, they're playing the best team in the league right now, unquestionably. But it was the Cowboys that were puffing their chest all week long. It was Jerry Jones getting on the radio talking about how, you know, if we want to make it to the Super Bowl, then you know they're going to hopefully have to come through us and stuff. Obviously, kind of a soft arrogance there a little bit, but thirty-two point gap. You put up 10 points. Yeah. Um, it's bad. It's bad. And Dak Prescott is just not able to overcome uh, good defenses. And in this case, a phenomenal defense. Meanwhile, Brock Purdy is doing everything right. 
and this offense is humming. They they are the best team in the NFL right now. They're, I mean, to me, there's no question about that. I mean, do do you think that they're the the bona fide like number one team, or do you think that the Chiefs or the Eagles are are right there with them? I have the Chiefs and the Eagles still ahead of them, just in the sense really? that I I think the Chiefs have the best defense, Patrick Mahomes' career, and he's Patrick Mahomes. So and it's Andy sure. Reid. I get that. so, but they're five and zero, oh, and they've. They've well, blown no, no, no. teams the, away. On on paper, the Niners are the best team. But if you're telling me, am I have to put money on a team to win the Super Bowl? I'm going to go Chiefs. I'm going to go Eagles. Then I'm going to go Niners in third. Well, that's like, fair. But I think if I'm putting my money, are much more like what have you done for me like lately? Type well, of thing. no, that's yeah, what I mean, I'm they thinking. Are the, in the vein of like power rankings, I yeah. would put them at number one right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I I I look at things differently. I'm projecting. Like, who do I yeah, I want? Always be thinking forward. I'll say this: I I'm I don't think a, a, a blowout win over Dallas is that impressive because I'm not a big believer in Dallas. They're not. And, yeah. They're, and yeah. I'll say this: Dallas, even if they had digs, right? Which losing digs is it sucks, right? But name name how many? What's a great player who hasn't played for the Steelers the last three weeks because of injury? Yeah, you know Cam I mean? Hayward, Deontay yeah. Johnson, yeah. But Eddie Jackson for the Bears. Like, every team right now is missing key starters. Some of them are missing star starters. I mean, it's just the NFL. That happens. You have what everyone raves is Dan Quinn is the next coach in waiting. Everyone, and so it's like the, the Cowboys can win one way. Their defense comes out and is playing lights out, and their offense then manages the football game. The Dallas Cowboys offensively are bad. They're just not good enough to to compete at that level of football. They are the Dallas Cowboys are a very good middle of the pack team who could probably destroy the Bears, beat up on the Broncos. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they're kind of they, like Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, they, in honest. a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways. And Dak, you know how my feelings on Dak. He is. Uh, he's just not what he used to be. He's had some really bad injuries in his career. Like that ankle was messed up. I mean, he has had some bad, bad injuries and he's just a shell of himself. He is a, a timing rhythm pocket guy who cannot throw the deep ball right now. Like accurately, like he could throw the Bryce Young deep ball, the wide open. Sure. Everyone can throw that. Um, and so, yeah, I don't believe in the da in the Dallas Cowboys at all, but I'll say this about the Niners. I will. Brock Purdy is starting to really earn his stripes and and earn more praise and respect from from me a, a doubter, in the sense that it's not just it's easy to say oh Mac Jones would be amazing in that offense, Kyle Shanahan in that offense is terrific, right? But we saw him with C.J. Beathard, a late round pick, and they couldn't win games. We saw him with Nick Mullins, a late round pick, and they couldn't. He did not play like Brock Purdy. We saw him with Jimmy G, and Brock Purdy's numbers right now are way better than Jimmy G's numbers were ever were with the Niners. So Purdy is is better than all of them, and Purdy is is quickly becoming a a Jared Goff level type quarterback in my eyes. Like he's he's mobile. He can make throws on the run. He's so good with his decision-making. He doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, do I trust him yet still in the biggest of big moments? No. I got to I gotta absolutely see it to believe it. Regular season sure. wins with Kyle Shanahan. And as part of it is I don't necessarily trust Kyle Shanahan the biggest, biggest moments. 28-3, to yeah. 
He's a part of some of the biggest collapses in that way. Struggles in NFC Championship games. Um, and so I love the Niners. They're an incredible watch because they are just a bloodbath waiting to happen. Um, but uh, I will say this about Purdy. He is starting to really earn earn some legit credit and street cred. And Dan, I think it's a funny thing to think about. If you look at the last three draft classes of quarterbacks, right, from the Trevor Lawrence number one overall pick to just this last year with Will Levis and all them, quarterbacks year three and younger, where's Purdy in that ranking? I mean, in my opinion, Lawrence, Stroud, Fields, Purdy Pickett? Like, you know what I mean? Like, where is that? He's better than Wilson. He's better than Lance. Uh, he's better than every quarterback who was drafted ahead of him, except for maybe Pickett. And even then, it's I think it's really close. And I think a lot of people would take Purdy over Pickett I mean, right, right now. now. Yeah, I mean, right now, absolutely. And then in this year's draft, I mean, better. he's better looking than Bryce Young, and he's better looking than Anthony Richardson. I wouldn't say he's better looking than C.J. Stroud overall. C.J. Stroud is bigger physical. I'd, I'd want C.J. Stroud over Purdy. But he's right there. I mean, he's he's right there. Yeah, no, he's he's fantastic. I, I and he's perfect for what they want. So it's it's one of those situations where it was the the perfect uh confluence of scheme player marriage uh, yeah. that that's just working out beautifully for them there in San Francisco. Uh we had the NHL season uh begin Bedard. yesterday. The uh the Bedard, the next 15 years for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, began yesterday, and the Blackhawks get a win over the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh, and Fire Canada chants rang out in the arena, which was may, may have been a little confusing for some of the players since there were many Canadian players on the ice. Like, what the hell? What's going on? But, uh, you know, all that to be, being said, uh, the Steelers get a uh, a very Steelers-Ravens-esque victory oh over God. the Ravens, and now the Steelers are first place in the division. Um, you know, there's... They look terrible for three quarters offensively and then able to put it together. Kenny Pickett, I will say, of all of the criticism that there is to be had for him, and, and there's there's quite a few, he runs into pressure a lot, gets a little bit happy feet, doesn't seem to to go past his first read um, often. Um, so there, there are obviously concerns with his that area of play, but he does have the clutch gene, and that's something that is hard to get in quarterbacks. I mean, he has now... Uh, five fourth quarter comebacks in 17 games. Yeah. And th- there's something to be said for that. Like he rises to the occasion in big moments. It takes him a while to get there, but yet again, this past week, you know, and, and it's been two against the Ravens. These are big games. Um, Gets the, uh, you know, seemingly audibles to, to the call uh, against, uh, you know, cover zero and, and gets George Pickens on the go ahead touchdown late in the, in the fourth quarter there against Baltimore. And they end up winning 17, 10, they're now three and two with all of the mess, all of the, you know, issues that there have been with this offense. Um, they, they've been able to stack together team wins or at least defense special teams wins over the last couple of weeks. So this isn't sustainable, Mark, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I've got to say, like, I have to temper my anger at times because they're, they are winning and, and this was a big win. So I got to give, you know, kudos to Kenny Pickett for you know, coming up big at the end and, uh, and this defense, you know, TJ Watt again with two sacks and one to seal the game. It's they, they come up big when they need it the most. So it's just about stacking that moving forward, but they're in first place, which I did not forecast. 
Chris Letang, Sid the Kid Crosby, and Evgeny Malkin for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They just started year 18 together as a trio. It's amazing. Yeah. That just surpassed which trio for the most seasons together as a trio? It's an MLB team. They were very famous in the 90s and early 2000s for winning many, many rings. Um, East Coast. Really interesting. Okay. Well, no, I was, I'm thinking it's Jeter and, uh, and, uh, A-Rod. You got one of them. Well, not A Rod. 18, seven. They were together for 17 years. Jeter. Uh, Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera. Okay. And then, um, would have been Clemens. You're going to be mad. Jorge Posada. Oh, yeah. There you go. But there I saw go. that on ESPN. I thought that was really cool. Um, anyways, that is um, cool. I'll say this. I you nailed it on Kenny Pickett. I I think the jury's still so unwritten on Kenny Pickett because of the offensive coordinator and struggles of the offensive line early and the lack of run game. It's just been brutal. Um, he is a he is a quarterback that is unlike CJ Stroud or some of the other guys we talked about. He's not a savior, but he can be a really, really terrific quarterback if he's getting the proper help he needs to develop an offense around him because he has the clutch. He does have the it factor, whether it's a big scramble, a big throw late. He's done it in a year and a a short year and a half of watching him as a player. It's only been, I think 16 games at this point, 17. Yeah. And he just finished technically his first full season. So he's still so raw is so green, but I think the ceiling is still there for Kenny Pickett. The problem is, I just don't know if we'll ever get to see what that ceiling's like with Matt Canada's right. offense. And I will say this. The other thing is, I ask you a question. Tomorrow, Chiefs versus Ravens at Arrowhead or Pittsburgh Steelers versus Ravens at, uh, versus uh, uh, Chiefs at Arrowhead. So they're both playing the Chiefs. Which team actually has a chance to win that game? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's-, it's the Ravens. It's Baltimore, yeah. 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 So I, the the Pittsburgh Steelers are still like the Green Bay Packers, just the bad boys of the division. Like they just know how to win in their division, right? They will they will find ways to win in their division. And Mike Tomlin deserves a ton of credit for that. And he's won a lot of games in his career like that. Um, I'm still higher. If you were to power rankings, I'm still higher on the Ravens than the Steelers yeah, right I now. I would agree with that. But the Steelers have we had this weird way of closing the gap and playing. Um, TJ Watt is phenomenal. I mean, Fred, they, they have won. Lamar Jackson's number. They've won six of yeah. seven and that's bad for Lamar and John Harbaugh. Like they've got to figure that out yeah. because that is bad. Like a good coach, good quarterback that can't happen. Um, and the, the Ravens Steelers, also dropped like, yeah, oh, I know. I mean, nine the Ravens, pass, like, yeah, that was, the, and, that game and, honestly should have been 21, nothing before, you know, yes. I mean, started. and so, but it, it wasn't. And the Steelers, yeah found a way to win that game. And so they capitalized on the better team making mistakes and they won the football game. And I don't know if it's good for Steelers fans, because again, you, you want Canada gone. Like he's not the answer. So winning games doesn't help because Mike Tomlin in this organization doesn't make changes anyways, but they're certainly not going to make changes. If there's a W in the win column, uh, either go, I'll, I'll just leave. My point is that saying is that I'm with you on picket. He's so green, so raw still, I think there's still a lot of potential there. Um, but 
until you have a, a a different offensive look and a running like and Najee Harris, you're lucky in the sense that you're not going to have to pay Najee Harris. Like the Colts had to yeah. pay Jonathan uh, Taylor because he had the seasons, the multiple seasons of like dudes freak. We owe him. Sure. Najee had a good year, but he's not had the you're you can move on from Najee, and they should. Right. Like the backup is having a way better. Najee's lost the explosiveness. It looks like those years at Alabama have have added up, and he's just not close to Derrick Henry. The thought was he could be kind of like a light, a Derrick Henry light. Right. He's not. Yeah. He's just he's never turned into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he can eke out you know some tough yardage, but I agree. I mean, Jalen Warren has been way more explosive. He's than, explosive than as heck. To, they need to continue to get him involved. I mean, he he lit a spark for that team late in this game. So if they just keep kind of, you know, putting him into the game plan a little bit more, I think that's going to help things as well. The offensive line played a little bit better this past week. So hopefully they're just on they're that on a trend. Buy. They got a bye this week uh, and then they take on the Rams. Like that's a winnable game coming out of the bye for sure. Uh, so, you know, if you can find yourself in, at a four and two spot, you're feeling pretty good, um, you know, going into the the you know, meat of the season, if you will. So a lot on the horizon there for the Steelers. Those were really the main Monday night football. I've been waiting. That was the last thing I want to talk about is just the the Packers and the the Raiders Monday night football. The Packers look terrible. (laughs) Here's the thing. I I will say this. I will say this. The Raiders are scrappy and Max Crosby is in that. He is in that that tiny tier of like Fred Warner, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, where it's like, those dudes are different. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that. And he's in that tier. Solidly. Like, like I watched that game as a bears and going like, I, I need that guy. Like, get me that guy. If my right. defense needs that guy, because my defense doesn't have that guy. I need that guy. Um, and so the Raiders should be very pumped about that win. That I their coach tried to give it away with stupid play calling the field goal late. Like uh, Josh McDaniel is so dumb and he's, his face is just getting so fat and he's just like a little man and he's so dumb. Um, but credit to Jimmy G. I thought overall he played well. Two of the interceptions, the first one from J, uh, from uh, Jordan Love was one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. We talked about it on Twitter. It was terrible. It, if the first guy didn't pick it, the second guy was gonna. And if there was no one there, it would have been behind the receiver incomplete. Like really bad, really, really bad. Yeah. And the second interception on the deep ball, again, it was just underthrown and given up for the defender to make the play. And the not the it was not at the back corner of the end zone. Like he had him beat, and it was underthrown, and uh, you, you couldn't even give your receiver a chance to make the play. Second interception on the tip, it you know, it is what it is. I'll say this about Jordan Love. I hate that the Packers are on a bye week. I think that's bad for the Packers because they had basically an extended bye week. They were Thursday night football to Monday. It was a long, long gap. And now you're on a bye week. This kid just needs to play football. Like he he just still doesn't look like he's got consistency. And now you're you know you're without Bakhtiari, so your offensive line is taking a hit. You have weapons, Dobbs and Dobbs had to catch that ball, but him and 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 Watson are not, they're not the worst receiving core in the league. And so um you you have great running backs. I just don't see, I don't see the offensive spark from the from the Packers right now. 
Like, where's the like, ooh, creativity? Like we see with the Lions and the tight end play. And then we see with the Niners with the tight end play. Where's that like, ooh, creative? They trust their quarterback or they're having fun. I don't see any of that. And I don't see a quarterback. I see young Dak Prescott. I see a guy who's really mobile and within 20 yards can be really deadly and accurate. And when you a deep ball, it's a little bit of hold your breath. It's a little bit of hold your breath. Yep, yep, totally agree. All right, before we leave, do you want to get into Thursday Night Football coming up tomorrow? Yeah. A quick preview as the Broncos visit the, visit the Chiefs and, uh, you know, a, a tale of two teams in completely different states of their franchises right now. Chiefs 4-1, and one, Broncos 1-4, and four and have been embarrassed a lot lately. Um, we've got Kansas City coming in at home. Minus 10 and a half. What do we think about that? I, I feel like uh, the Chiefs should cover that uh, easily. And with the way the Broncos are playing and the Chiefs defense is playing, I feel even a little bit more confident than that. So honestly, despite that being a pretty big spread that I would want to steer away from most times, uh, I think the I think I would take it uh, with the Chiefs. Just the way Denver's been playing, it's just brutal. And it's an arrowhead, of course. If you can get the 10 and a half now and then Kelsey plays, you feel really good about that. If you get fair, the 10 and a half point. and then Kelsey doesn't play, then you're like, crap, I probably could have got this at like eight or, you know, seven and a half. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a coin flip. If you're just looking for a sure win, the chief's money line. Yeah. The Patrick Holmes does not lose to the Broncos. He definitely doesn't lose to the Broncos at home. Um, I'll say this. I think it's a big Isaiah Pacheco game. That Broncos defense is bad against the run. And if I don't think Kelsey will play, so I think it's one of those Isaiah Pacheco, they're going to run the ball and it'll be a really easy game for Patrick. He'll probably have like barely 200 yards, but three touchdowns, really simple. Pacheco, 85 yards, two touchdowns. And it'll just be one of those like ho-hum, ba-ba-da-ba-ba. And here's my thing about the Broncos. They are maybe in the worst position of any franchise in the NFL. They gave up so many draft picks to get Russell Wilson. They're still paying for that. And they gave up draft picks to get Sean Payton. Like, yeah, exactly. I know. They, two they guys. are in a terrible spot. Yeah. A terrible and they're paying spot. those two guys each $100 million plus guaranteed. It's a terrible spot for them. They are in a bad, bad spot. And they're in a division that is not easy to win. It's not easy to right the ship in the division. So Godspeed to the Denver Broncos. I don't know people. It's easy to point out what the problem is with Denver. I don't know the solution. Don't ask me the solution. I don't know. The solution is uh, you got to play better. Like you, you just got to win. I, you're like, I don't yeah. know what the solution is there. Can I say this? Everyone was like, oh, the Bears get Mike McGlinchey. He's looked terrible. I'm so glad the Bears didn't pay Mike McGlinchey. They did not overpay for him. He's looked very, very bad. Uh, the 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 Niners didn't knew the right decision to cut to walk away from him when they did. They're they're just not a good football team. And the problem with it is overall, it doesn't look like a well coached football team. Like right. you can say it's a dearth of talent, but when you watch them, like I watched the whole game against the Bears, then you watch them last, it's like they just don't look like they do anything well. Like nothing well. And that is a lot on the head coach. And like, what do you do well? What do you stand on? What do you what do you stump on? Um, and you know, it makes you reflect on all those seven to nine years with Sean Payton in New Orleans where you're like, 
You know, Drew Brees was putting up giant right. numbers and they yeah. always hung around because that division was never great in the NFC South. And it's just not flying right now. And if you're Sean Payton, I think the scariest thing is there's probably a little voice in the back of his head that says this was a mistake. And that's, if you're a Broncos fan, the scariest thing. Like For sure. Yeah, especially if a job opening comes up with the Chargers or something like that uh, this, this next well, what's year. What's his buyout? Like, like, I don't know. I mean, it's brutal. Who knows? But I don't think they're going to want to give up on that uh, after putting all of this investment. They're into, stuck with Russell. They can guys, draft quarterbacks, but yeah. they they are stuck with Russell for at least another calendar year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're going to have to figure something out. Yeah, because I, I don't think either one of those guys is going to handle uh, going, you know, two and 15 or whatever um, the next two years. It's just not in, in either DNA. So rough. Rough outing, really, for the Broncos so far, and I feel like another one's on the horizon coming up tomorrow evening. So uh, that does it for our look at a very injury-riddled uh, week. Yeah, go ahead, Mark. Next week, the debut of the Super Bowl plane. It comes back. Ah, yes. I feel right. good very about good. it. Very I good. almost debuted it this week, but I, there's, a, there's a lot of that, like, you know, first-class, business-class, like it's just a gray area. I feel I'll have a lot more clarity next week. We're working on finding a, a plane set to do the show from, so stay tuned on that. Virtually, both of Bussing us are going to have boys. our own respective planes that we will be doing the show from. Yeah. But yeah, all right. Well, good stuff. Yeah, week The six, United uh, Lounge we'll at O'Hare. We're going to go to the United <laughs> Lounge, to the football lounge in the United Lounge, sponsored by United. Yeah, do you have the football lounge mileage plus? Like we can, we're yeah. gonna have a credit card pretty soon, uh, yeah, so yeah. we can get the merch, uh, and uh, and we'll be off and running with that. But yeah, that'll do it for uh, this week five recap episode here on the football lounge. Be sure to check us out on YouTube, Facebook, X, Instagram, Threads, everywhere at FB Lounge Pod, and uh, be sure to like and subscribe as well. And you can check out all of the content from the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network at Four Fantasy Sake qc.com we'll see you back here next week with our week six recap